This episode is sponsored by Better Help. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But uh, the fact is a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing in order, you know, that that would make it better? Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick a Week podcast, episode number 129, sponsored by Jim Hanley's Universe, InStockTrades.com and Netflix.com. I wish I could just make you turn around, turn around and see me cry. There's so much I need to say to you, so many reasons why. You're the only one who really knew me at all. So take a look at me now. This again? Hey. <laughs> Welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode number 129. My name is Ron Richards, and I'm here with... Connor. <laughs> it's, al- it's always the same order. I know, but last week I said the names. And I just thought Ron would do it again, but I didn't. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I, li- I, li- I wanted to put you guys out there and see who would who would um, the blinking contest to see who would blink first. Oh, I wait. <laughs> I wait and wait. I see. He enjoys. He enjoys pulling in the the rear. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad at all. Let's just keep moving. We're still waiting, Josh. I'm Josh. All right, thank I'm, you. I'm bringing up the rear. Now, when you're under a man, or he's a, a man is under you, do you do you charge right up the rear, or do you? <laughs> anyway, um, so we are from iFanboy.com, where we enjoy the comic books and we read lots of them. And every week, one of them, uh, one of us picks the best week, the, the best comic that came out that week, and writes a review of it on iFanboy.com that you can go read. It's called the Pick of the Week. And then we come here to talk about that comic as well as other comics and other fun little bits of minutia having to do with comic books. Uh, before we get on with the show, I want to warn you that we're going to talk about what happened in this week's books. So if you haven't read your comics yet, I would put press pause and then come back after you've read them. You'll enjoy. 
enjoy it that much better, or if you don't really mind the spoilers and you're kind of chill like that, then just keep listening and have a good time. Um, this week, Josh has the pick, and I'm going to take my headphones off and walk away for 10 minutes, and then I'll come back when he's done. Oi, mate, I'm fucking well knackered, aren't I? <laughs> um, this week, I had a respectable little stack of books, and uh, it was just a really, really good issue of Hellblazer, uh, issue number 243. Uh, which has just been consistently good, and so it wasn't wasn't actually a very tough pick for me. Uh, if you'll remember, I picked I think issue two forty back in January, so that's twice, and that has never happened in the eight year long seven however long we've been doing this. I don't think a short what, span too. What I think is fascinating is is anyone else talking about Hellblazer these days? Absolutely. If you look, okay, just um, making sure. <laughs> well, no, it's funny is when I wrote the review in January, I I kind of was like, eh, no one really cares, but here it is, and and this time, you know, if you you looked at the thread for the book specifically on the site in the ifanboy.com slash comics section. Um, you know, people were like, I'm excited about this book. I think more people are reading it. Uh, if you look at the pick of the week thread, a bunch of people have jumped on and started reading it. This is by far and away a, 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 one of the best jumping on points that, that I could give you. I mean, it's just really, it's a perfect place to start and you'll get what it's about right away. Uh, you'll you'll you know you'll know what the characters are about. You'll you'll get the deal, and you'll know if you like it or not probably pretty quickly, because um, it's you know it's just classic. The the thing about this book is there's really every like, every story is the same. This is not this is not you know it's true. <laughs> I mean there's a there's a in the same way it's just very clear cut. There's a demon or some sort of evil force. John is reluctantly forced to help. Uh, he tricks it somehow. That's every single one that's happened. And so the trick becomes to think of a new dressing for that, a new set for it, and to keep it interesting. And so that's what's happened. Basically, uh, if you, the, the setup is that there's a room in the Vatican, and this uh, pope a long time ago said that this room uh, is, is free of sin. Nothing that happens in there will be, will be subject to God's judgment. There's no sin in that room. That's not a recipe for trouble at all. No, not at all, especially with a, um, a whole bunch of Catholic priests. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Listen, this is, oh, no. this is the tone of the book, though, and so if that, if that kind of thing makes you running for your pictures of Pope John Paul, then this is probably not your book, um, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> so basically, like, you know, the, all the bad energy in the room created a succubus, and it has to be uh, dealt with. And uh, then there's the that's so that's the deal. And then like the last page of the book is him opening the page on the room. You see a demon sitting there, and John sort of coolly says, "Hello, Ellie." And that's it. We don't really know what's next. I think Ellie's somebody from the past, but I don't know about that. And I was still able to enjoy it. Um, so it's an arc. Uh, it's not a one shot or anything. Two issue arc, by the way, which is something right. I wanted to bring up because that's a rarity. So many times a story they try to make it go six issues when it has no legs doing six issues. But if it was two or three, it would be excellent. Um, and that's the case here. A lot of a lot of past Hellblazer sort of bad arcs have just been ones that have gone on for too long. Um, and, How do you collect something like that then? How does that work? Because Vertigo, you know, it's, it's a Vertigo book, right? Well, maybe the next one will be three or four, or you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm glad that they're not using that as a. They're not using the the publishing market so much to dictate how long they make their stories. I guess. You know, I, I, it's funny <laughs> because like a two or three issue arc is, is such a novelty right now. Like, I, I miss them. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. You can just read it and be done with it. And I actually like, you know, there's the done in ones, but those are you know, almost unsatisfying at times. But I like a, a nice, you know, something that goes over two or three issues. You don't get that very much. Um, new artist on this. I don't know if he's permanent or not because um, 
Leonardo Manco has been on the book for almost as long as I can remember. But this guy is Giuseppe Camancoli, uh, I believe in Italian. <laughs> Could you say that again? Giuseppe Camancoli. <laughs> That's how I say it on the mini too. That's uh, Giuseppe. He's fine. Uh, and you know what's funny is at first uh, they put John in a, uh, in a in a double-breasted suit and his hair is all slicked back. And I was like, what the hell is this? That's not what he does. <laughs> but the rest of the book is actually really good. It actually looks like the kind of artists um, – I mean that was like my little nitpick and I got over it. This is actually the kind of artist that I think I could see doing a, um, a really nice queen and country arc. Mm-hmm. Um, really just beautiful angles. He actually puts some of the scenes, he puts like a, a fake wide-angle lens on them so they bell out a little bit. Um, and it's just like there's a ton of mood and tone in, in every page. The colors in this issue are great. They spend a whole scene in a pub, and all the lighting in the pub is just like this red sort of judgment light. And, and there's, you know, there's only the red tones and then some of the yellow from the cigarette smoke. And then back in the Vatican, everything is like a sickly green. So it, it's just it was, it was a really good single solid issue, and uh, I enjoyed it. And Andy Diggle is still just doing a great job on this book. It's, it's just fun to read every month. How how was your accent this week? Were you able to work on that and Oh, you know, I'm having a problem because I had one people one like on one one camp they say he comes from Liverpool and you know like Liverpool's like the Scouse accent, like the Beatles are from Liverpool. And I'm I don't in my head John John doesn't sound like, hey what we're gonna do over there, you know, that's not it. Um so I don't know. I did it a little bit, but I, I haven't got it down yet. It it continues to elude me. I think I'd like to talk to Alan Moore and see what he thinks he sounds like. And that- you should talk to him, but only talk about accents. <laughs> Be revolutionary. Be revolutionary. Yeah. Well, would you like to talk about any of my other books? No, no, no. So how do you picture Swamp Thing's dialogue is going? Now, does he breathe during those ellipses, or does he... The Swamp Thing's all about ellipses. If you can just put some random ellipses in, you can write Swamp Thing. There you go. There you go. I, um, Hellblazer always intrigues me. I don't know why I don't read it but I, I i have one trade of it somewhere the random one you made me buy that one time mm-hmm. oh that well that was the azarello one from the from right the hard times one i think that was the first stuff i ever read and actually it's not that no, it was good i enjoyed i know i enjoyed it it was yeah good. and and that stuff's okay but it, it does I, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a great example of what this is i mean really you should read this issue and see if you like it because this will be this is this is the way it you know if you like this then you'll like it this is the way it should be. It's it's a very formulaic book. It's almost like like House or something like that. Where how would you categorize Hellblazer in, in the terms of Vertigo? Like Vertigo, we did a whole show on Vertigo, and it wasn't like Hellblazer wasn't in the running for like flagship Vertigo book, even though it's been around for two hundred forty three issues. Yeah, I mean it's one of those things that has its niche, but it doesn't really make waves a lot. Like it mm-hmm. goes from like what happens is it's either. It's not unlike the X-Men, like it just sort of is there and it's a constant and at times people aren't really talking about it, but then when it's when it starts to get good, it gets kind of exciting because you see the the potential that the concept has, I guess. It's such a mm-hmm. simple concept. He's just he's like the reluctant magician who goes around saving people basically. And and in doing so create, you know, like wrecks his own life and people hate him. That's really the whole thing. So he's kind of got like like he's Got like a, a slight self-loathing thing going on, but at the same time he is uh, he's he's sort of he puts a cocky air out to everybody. Like he always acts like he knows exactly what he's doing, and and just it's, it's very just, classic. 
I mean, I'm impressed that it just keeps rolling on. I mean, like it just, it just, you know, like you said, I think comparing it to like the X Men or, or I mean, it's almost like you know Vertigo's action comics or Detective Comics, and that it's like the, it's like the title, like the the day they, the day they cancel it, I think they'll, they'll be, you know, it'll be huge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, but you know, I, I personally, I just have no interest. But um, but I respect you're not going to get a lot of a lot of comics that hit two forty three. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's a long time. I mean, and that's I, awesome. I've been reading. It's funny. Twenty I've, years. Yeah, yeah. I've been reading the uh, he debuted in '85 in the Swamp Thing book. And then, when did the, the title start? Um, I'm on two hundred forty-three months ago. That's twenty yeah. years. Yeah, twenty, twenty years. Jesus, wow! That's a twenty-year comic book. Yeah, that's amazing. It, and, and and it's actually one of the best twenty-year comic books for just jumping on. I, I, and I, you know, read it or not, you totally have to respect that. I mean, totally. you're not going to get many books from the two major publishers that are going to last twenty years. At all, you know, no matter what. <laughs> At all. <laughs> so that's cool. I may read it. I may not. I don't know yet. Just check the one issue out. <laughs> I will say this though: it, it, I wasn't surprised at your pick simply because this week was rather, on the whole, rather lackluster. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, yeah, well, everything a, else that I read, there was a butt to it. You know, well, that was yep, pretty good. There was but... nothing. The last couple of weeks have been like a lot of really good. Like this, that was a good comic. Or this week, there's a lot of. Yeah, that was that was good. But, I don't want that to diminish you know, this book. I, it's not like no, no, no. I'm just saying it, it could have been anything. It wasn't there? Wasn't like last week where I saw Ron's pick and I was like, "What?" You know, this week I was like, "Okay, help me." Like it doesn't. There was nothing I thought really yeah. stood out or justified being a pick yeah. over anything else. Right. Like Flash. Well, I could sure as hell tell you that that Flash shouldn't have been in the running for anybody's pick. Why are you still buying it? We had a discussion last week. So here's the deal. So Flash number 239 came out, and um, and before I get into the bad, I'll tell the good, is that uh, out of nowhere, Freddie Williams' art got a lot better, like markedly. Uh, since on this run, like this is the, probably the best art of this run, um, but that doesn't save the awful. It's 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 almost like they're daring me to drop it. Like that, like, like what they're doing with this book is just is I'm I'm just I'm I I can't believe it because that's, like walk, that's just like you walked in on on like your wife and she's sleeping with somebody and you go you know you're really testing me here. <laughs> it's just like bad. It's 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 amazing because um. Because the story the story ended last week where um, Flash was acting very out of character, and then it ended with him uh, he was complaining about money, and he 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 got quoted on TV saying, "Hey, you know, listen, I don't get paid for this," and so everybody was reacting badly to the Flash, and it ended with him um, using his powers to rob everyone in Keystone City, and ended him with a big bag of money and wallets and all this kind of stuff. Um, turns out, of course, there's some sort of psychological or some sort of psionic character that's all. T- um, uh, Hooked up into the wires and everything, and that is um, controlling people's emotions and that, that sort of that you know that, that that's a that's a typical kind of uh, DC kind of villain. Psycho pirates back. Yeah, but it's not psycho pirate. But instead, it's some weird um, mutant-like looking person who's all tied up and has a ball gag. Um, nice. Now, now, okay. So there's a couple of things. I'll get back to the ball gag in a second. But there's a couple of things that, that are just that, that just kill me about this issue. So it picks up where the issue last issue left off, where apparently um, Jay Garrick and Wally spent time returning everybody's wallets, and that happened in between issues. And so now Jay Garrick is actually on a talk show talking about Wally, um, trying to defend him in front of the public. Um, okay. Would Jay Garrick ever go on a talk show? Well, if anyone was, you know who would? Max Mercury. But I don't know what happened to him. 
No, I don't even think Max Mercury would. I don't think they, they like. They, 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 I always see like those kind of characters as just like whatever, like ignoring the media, you know what I mean, and just doing their thing and and whatever they might do. So that was weird. And then you've got the Justice League again um, talking about saying that that Wally's being an embarrassment to them all and them trying to decide whether they should go talk to him or not. Which was just like again, but, but no, that didn't was, that happen with the Mark Wayler? And they said that they said Batman said, "Remember how well it worked last time." <laughs> and so, so basically, there's some there's some conversation about the Justice League being a, um, you know, whether they're a, the the police to the superhero world, and John Stewart saying, "I don't think we are," and then Roy Harper, uh, Red Arrow, or Speedy saying, "Okay, well, I'm going to go talk to him." But then, what what gets me is that at some point, Wally sees there's an ad in the paper. That is made out to the Flash that we never see, but everybody keeps reacting to it. And Wally goes to investigate it, and it's a guy going, "Oh, you saw my ad. I'm I'm so glad you came. You know, you want to make some money." And he opens up, and he's got this big warehouse of superhero paraphernalia. And apparently, he's a big collector. And and it's kind of like an and there are comic book long boxes everywhere and shelves of like you know Green Lantern stuff and things like that. And apparently, this guy's got a ton of like memorabilia, and he's got some video. That has some sort of word in it that he can't slow down fast enough to translate, so he wants Wally to watch it and translate it for him. And we get about four or five pages of this guy and his collection and what he does and explaining it to Wally. And then right as Wally sits down to watch it and do it, Jay and the kids come and pull Wally out of it. And they never go back to that plot line. Like, they never resolved that. So they actually got me built up going, ooh, I wonder what that is. And they'd never return to it. Maybe they will. And uh, maybe, but but it seemed like it seemed like such a tacked on kind of weird thing. And then it ends with the um, with them figuring out that whatever the source of what what's happening, because what happened was that Jay Garrick was acting very angry, very out of character again. And they they figure out that it's the same thing that made Wally act greedy. And so um, they figure out that it's coming from the the TV news station. So the whole Jay Garrick, Wally, the two kids, and um, and um, and not Red Arrow. They leave Red Arrow behind. Go off looking for it. And um, turns out it's some villain who I don't know who the villain is, but he's got some sort of mask, and he's got control over this like mutant-like guy who's hooked up to the wires, who has the ball gag. Even though the guy with the ball gag is able to speak clearly and say he's coming, the Flash is coming here. Which the ball not, gag? Yeah, there wasn't even any effort to make like the uh noise or anything about that. Like he's talking with the ball gag, and but the panel has got a big ball gag in it. I don't even know what you're saying. Why are we spending so much time going over something that's? Because it's just so sad, because this is one of my favorite, favorite titles, and it's, like I said, they're daring me to stop reading it, because it's just ridiculously bad. Can I recommend you stop reading it? Uh, I recommend we move on. It hurts. <laughs> Can I Why do you pay the money to get beaten? Can I have three <laughs> bucks a week to kick you in the nuts? No. Just, just because you've been kicked in the nuts every, every week for... It's just uh, I just don't understand why it's so bad and what's what, how it, how this is slipping through. I mean, it's it's at the point now where like it's whoever's the editor should be fired. That's what it boils down to. Not Mark Joan Wade. Hilty, Joan Hilty, and Rachel Gluckstern. I've had it with you. You're on notice. <laughs> oh God! See if they're gonna come all around at the end and and, and it's all gonna make sense or or not or, or not. And I'm, I'm guessing probably not. But you know, Ugh. they need to kill off those kids. Yeah, exactly. The the be, the bulked up kid still freaks me out. Like literally. I understand your um, buy uncanny through thick and thin, and no matter what, I, yeah. I totally understand that. I don't understand saying the Flash. Well, the Flash is the closest to my uncanny on the DC side. That's the one character that I really like that I I committed to. I'm anything but loyal. No, you are. War loyal. is hell. Flight <laughs> of the Phantom Eagle number two. This I'm was... moving on. I'm, I'm making an executive effort to move on. If any, <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. We've we've moved on, Ron. 
Why can't you? <laughs> uh, this, if anything, was probably my my next choice for pick of the week. Yeah. Um, solely because the, the reason I didn't go with it because like there wasn't a whole lot of story in it. It was sort of. Um, I guess character based and, and things like that. But one of the things that I really love, man, I've not been a fan of Jaken in the past, really. Right. But he is. This is a great looking book. He's bringing it. The 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 shots, basically like the shots of the sky, and the and the in you know, World War One fighter planes dogfighting and and just the scale of the size of everything and the sort of the vistas are yeah. uh, just. It's a beautiful book. He's, he's, I mean, and it's funny because I've, I'm a huge fan of Chaykin, and every time he does something, I love it. And I think you guys have been not as, you know, you know whether he fit, fit correctly on Wolverine or some of the other books. But this is just great to show the, the, the mastery skill of Chaykin. Like, yeah. it's just amazing. Yeah, so. Um, you well, know, I think he's, well, he's well suited for some things. I don't think he was suited for Wolverine, but I think he's suited yeah. for kind of book. Yeah, this I mean this book I mean I'm just I'm I'm stunned by how, how good that part of it is. The story by, by Ennis is... It's fairly typical sort of Ennis stuff. There's a lot of uh, tomfoolery and, and some adult hijinks, I think, would be one Well, I mean, he, he enjoys, I mean, the, the, he does his war stories. This is basically a war story. It's a little, I mean, it's not fantastical at all. And really, I mean, what, what else is there beyond the camaraderie of the soldiers? I mean, you're yeah. not going to get much new beyond that. I like this issue a lot for the the character development. There wasn't plot so much as you got inside the heads of the people more than you had in the first issue. Yep. And you got a little bit better idea of what everybody, who everybody is. And I, I like that part of it a lot. Because you have to have some of it. Because the first issue, you really didn't have a sense of who the characters were. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's just, just a, a good-looking book, a solid read. Uh, I'd, I'd love for more people to read it, I think. It's... it's... And I, want yeah, so, I mean, it's 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 really. I mean, it's it's almost like. I mean, it's unlike anything else Marvel. I think is putting out even on the Mac side. I mean, it's a Max book, which are there's so few of them recently. I mean, you know, like there are rarely any. Um, and it just it's just it's just really quality. I mean, again, I agree. I agree with you that this issue, like the first issue, was great because it was like, oh, this great new thing, and and it had that great headshot. But um, this one, I think, is just kind of moving it along. And I'm just curious, you know, like it's going to be. I'm hoping that the quality that it, this goes through at the entire five issue series. Yeah. Um, I really liked a couple of panels where they um, use a device that I haven't seen a lot of, where they had a, they had the pilot thinking about yep. blowing that guy's head off, and instead of just, Regular flashback, it was sort of faded in the background. Yeah, that was interesting. Head, and it was a really nice device, which they don't use quite often. Yeah. Um, it was good. I really liked it. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, definitely up there. So so check those out. I'm sure there's yeah, still sitting on hell. a lot of shelves somewhere. War is hell. It's amazing how Garth Ennis, like, if he writes, if he writes The Punisher, it's the biggest selling book in the world. But he does this stuff that he's really good at and that he loves doing and... It's I don't nice think I don't think the Punisher is really the biggest selling book in the world. <laughs> no, but it was when he did the Punisher; it was a big deal. If they were to announce tomorrow yeah. that Garth Ennis was writing Superman, you'd have a top ten book. Really? I think so. I don't know about that because he's been writing the Punisher for the past since he's been doing that, and it's got, I mean, it's been which has been really really good. But... Well, when it came out, I mean, like over yeah. time, people forget about it. I mean, it. I think I think when it came out, that was one of the things is that it was it was it was the early early days of the Casada of the Casada world uh, of Marvel, and I think it was one of the new fresh things. And the Punisher was such a joke for so long that it was almost like it was almost like um, uh, what's his name. Burt Reynolds and Boogie Nights. It was like, did you see that? Burt Reynolds is good again, you know, like <laughs> that sort of thing. And um, I, I think if they, you know, Ennis and Superman would be really interesting, but I don't know if it would be a top ten book. Hold on. You're saying Burt Reynolds was bad at one point? <laughs> let's, let's discuss he'll, he'll that. He'll go on for hours about how great Evening Shade was. <laughs> Evening Shade was awesome. Yes, that wasn't, how, I, knew I, was, 
Al Holbrook. You're crazy. You think he's just awesome. <laughs> Iron Man director of S.H.I.E.L.D. 28, Ron, would make you pull your hair out. Uh, really? I'm glad I'm not reading it. There are some continuity issues. <laughs> yes. Um, it was a great comic, but it's, it features, like last week we talked about Fantastic Four and the fact that, that uh, Secret, Secret Invasion is not, not affecting that book at all, even though um, Reed is a big character. Yeah. Another big character is Tony Stark. Yeah. If, if not um, the biggest. Big, another big character is Dum Dum Duggan. Oh, you're uh, both, kidding me. Both of whom are, are in this book without any hint of what's going on in Secret Invasion. Oh my god! Um, but but the uh, said, silver and red armor was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like besides that, it's a good book. If they were going to go with an Iron Man, I would be totally okay if this was the guy. But like yeah. literally in this issue, like the UN gets taken over. Uh, Stark is. I, I was like, they they took Stark. Uh, they kicked him out. Like they 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 disbanded him. Or what's the word? They fired him from the they, head. They of fired Shield. him as being the head of Shield. Now that's kind of a big deal. That's a huge deal. Yeah, but it doesn't really affect any of the other books. Oh my god! It's like when they get to Avengers, like they were like, "Did you hear Tony got fired?" Yeah, no big deal. Anyway, uh, and then in, and then in um and then in another book I read this week, uh, it might have been Captain Marvel, it might have been something else. Where but Tony's like, "Listen, I'm trying to keep, you know, I'm trying to keep them from, or no, Captain America, where he's like, I'm trying to keep them from from disbanding Shield." And it's oh god. Yeah, it's just it's a point now where, especially with Marvel. Um, is that they're all they all have their own little worlds and they have they all exist separately. That's just See, I mean, you guys made fun of me last week, but if you do something, I was thinking about it all through the week. But if you do something as big as Secret Invasion, you gotta consider that, and that's the oh, jeez, you know. Anyway, or you read them all and enjoy it. This is a really fun book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even I thought, you know, it, it, it wasn't so much the Tony stuff, but it was more of the the Dum Dum. Mm-hmm. You know, Dum Dum's a pretty major character in this issue, and uh, I guess he's a scroll in this. I don't know. Uh, he might be. Maybe it's. Bef- I, don't, I guess he kind of have to be, right? Unless yeah. this takes place after the fact. But my guess is things will be changed after the fact. I'm guessing Tony won't be head of Shield anymore after this. I don't know. <laughs> I don't see. I didn't even think about that when I was reading it. All I was thinking was, "Oh, look, it's another incarnation of Tony." The Dugan thing didn't occur to me at all. But now that you no, say that was it, the, that was the one that really stuck out to me. I was like, "Oh, there's Dum Dum, but he's a scroll." I believe this so, book used the word stripling too, which is <laughs> is a word you don't hear villains say enough anymore. This sort of a but this is a great, this is a really fun, this is a really fun series. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that guy forced us to start reading it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's it's a good series. Uh, it's a really nice sort of updating of the Mandarin because the Mandarin yep. could be sort of insufferable at times. Uh, but he he sort of is now like a humanist eco terrorist kind of. I don't know. It's, it's kind of like Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that just makes it cheesy. Anyway, uh, um, it, it, no, no, but it's, it's like it's like old school Iron Man action. It's not caught up in all the crossovers and all. But I mean, there are lots of references to the to the Civil War and to the Registration Act and to the Initiative. But if you take that stuff aside, it's kind of old school Iron Manning, and not just because he's wearing the old school armor, which is kind of cool too. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. Cool. So, so two things about um, three things about Countdown Number Two yep. uh, that were that were good. Yeah. Uh, one is that there's only one issue left, and it's gonna be over soon. Um, two, uh, Scott Collins's artwork. I always I forgot how much I enjoyed it. Yep. Um, and three are Kirby dots. Well, this was this was the um, this I would agree with s- so many Kirby dots. It was awesome. I would agree with two or three of your points. One, I don't I think the, this is really coming on strong. I'm not looking looking forward to it ending, but um, the art was great. What you had here was issue two of Countdown. Um, the prophecy has been fulfilled, and Orion has killed his father, Darkseid. 
And it was one basically at one big slugfest between Orion and Darkseid for this issue, and then at the end he kills him. And um, <laughs> and it was drawn in the it was drawn in an old Williamson Kirby style. Like you could you, you could hear Kirby, the crackle, the energy crackling during the fight. Kirby Kirby, did, you know he's the father of the new gods. Williamson did, 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 did the Orion stories that were classic. So this he, Colin sort of adopts a hybrid Kirby Simonson style, and um, it's all big and it's lots of Kirby lots of Kirby dots and lots of just deep, sh- harsh shadows, and then just a bloody fight between Orion and Darkseid at the end. Orion rips Darkseid's heart out. And, did, um, uh, did Darkseid speak like a southern colonel in this one? He might have. <laughs> did you walk away but, from it really wanting fried chicken? I always walk away wanting fried chicken. I mean, that's nothing, normal. That's nothing unusual. Bad test. <laughs> um, but this is, this is big, important. I, Darkseid's one of my favorite villains. He's always been a, a good DC villain. Someone who actually was scary or or was capable of fighting the bigger people like Superman. So, well, I mean, but the, but then on the, I mean, in this book, there's the promo for Final Crisis, and there's like a set of eyes that are obviously dark side. Not necessarily. Oh, Orion. That's uh, true. Yeah, there's true. the Orion side. It's like the Kingdom Come. Remember Kingdom yeah. Come? They showed the Orion the new, as the new dark side. I mean, that's yeah. the, pro- the prophecy was that the son would kill the father. Yeah. And that's, that's what's come to pass. Um, How long has that we, prophecy we always, been around? For forever. I mean, it's always been in, in the dark side, in the new gods. It's always been within the new gods. Um, so we all thought Darkseid was going to lead into the final crisis. Now he's dead, so we don't know what's ha- what's going to happen now. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. No, I just I thought I thought Collins did an amazing job on this. Yeah, it was, it was, the art was fantastic. Yeah, it was really good. And I I forget that that Darkseid's wearing a skirt. It's a toga, yeah. Yeah. So. It's more like a like one of those Indian loincloth things, isn't it? Yeah. No. Or I, or I think of it more like a medieval kind of you know it's tunic. A, it's a tunic of, with a belt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Although in the cartoon, he had, they had put shorts on him because kids can't deal with people men, wearing skirts. Men in skirts. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it was great. No, and I agree with you that, that Countdown has gotten a lot better because I wish it got a lot better 30 issues ago. So, um, that's all. I mean, which I think everybody knows the problems with Countdown, and the, I mean, that's no, no surprise. So. so now we have one more issue to find out what's going to happen, and then there's a bridge issue to Final Crisis. What, just that. for those of us who stopped reading it months and months and months ago, what's the big issue in play right now? I mean, what what are we counting down towards? Yeah, we don't know. We're counting on Final Crisis. Well, we don't know what that is. Oh. Well, well, what's the? I mean, what's the plot lines that are left? They found well, it's, it's it mainly it's been Darkseid's Darkseid's attempt to um to make the fifth world and to to take over Earth to, as and make it as the fifth world. Oh, okay. That that's what the gist of this was, and and Orion defeating Darkseid pretty much ended that that plot. So, so basically, he had a, he killed all the new gods to take their power to bring about the fifth world. All the basically every new god is dead now. Huh? They've all been killed, and then um. So his, we, we figured that would be a crisis, but then now he's dead, so who knows? That's the, that's, that's the, the twist now. The one more issue left to find out what's going to happen. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think Desaad will have something to do with it. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It may, may not be dead. I don't remember. There's a lot of deaths in, in the Death of the God's Mini, although they're all killed off over there. That seems like an important mini. It's a very important mini. All right. That no one knows about. But if you wanted to go get it and you're in New York... Jim Hamlin's Universe is one of the best and most progressive comic book stores. Jim Hamlin's Universe offers the best selection of comic titles related merchandise from mainstream to manga to mini. Minis. Jim Hamlin's Universe has it all. They don't have just the one mini. That would be silly. Jim Hamlin's Universe is located opposite the Empire State Building in Midtown Manhattan in 325 New Dorp Lane in Staten Island. You can visit Jim Hamlin's Universe on the web at jhuniverse.com or visit them at myspace.com slash Jim Hamlin's Universe. Jim Hamlin's Universe, where art and literature meet. And Josh and I were at the big signing on uh, 
Monday? Yeah, they had big signings every day this past week, though. Yeah. yeah, the big. I mean, that was a huge one Monday. Yeah. It's like that was like everyone everybody at, at Marvel. Marvel. Just like like the only guys who weren't there was like Kirkman and Miller. Anybody else who'd written a book for Marvel in the past two years was at a big table. <laughs> so if it, it was, was insane. an accident. They were. It was all over for them. Anyway, <laughs> um, I wanted to bring up Robin One Seventy Three. Um, mm-hmm. basically, I, I did this because I wanted to ask Connor one question about this. Um, yeah. I thought that the penguin wasn't a bad guy anymore. No, he totally is. He's a he's a mobster. He is. Yeah. So like his legitimate businessman front is is just that. Like Tony Soprano's legitimate business. He's been a, he's been a they changed him from supervillain to a gangster. They basically put him into a more crime boss role in the last ten years. Then and then he doesn't rob banks. He he he's a gangster. He yeah, but like guys in, in detective comics, he kind of gets he kind of uh, is left alone. Like Batman no, he's left alone. Up. He's left alone. Like he, Batman can't. You can't. It's kind of like the cops can't walk into a to a social club and arrest the mobster mm-hmm. because he doesn't. He doesn't actually commit the crimes. You need a warrant. You need. A, you need evidence. He doesn't. He doesn't. He can't just. He can't just rope them up and drop them off in the police station. They just let him go. So right, he's right. done anything wrong. He's been a bad. No, he's always been a bad guy. Just they just changed his role to that of crime boss. Well, either way, uh, these issues have been fairly strong. They're not amazing. Um... I've got to say that they're dragging this out a lot. I, I'm kind of like, okay, let's let's get everybody together because I don't really, I couldn't really tell you what's happened over the past couple issues that, you know, changed where we are now. I guess, but I, I'm terribly inter- interested in knowing who this new spoiler is. I really want to know. Well, and next I feel month, like, I know, find out. I feel like I'm going to be unsatisfied by it because I'm not going to know who it is or get the significance of it. Or she died. Well, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, Stephanie was killed by the Black Mask um, during the war crimes crossover. Um, I, I, I thought this was actually one of the best ones since Dixon's been back. I think he's just getting his, I think he's getting his feet back on, under him. You know, he just, it's been a while. I really liked the, the little scene with Tim and his friend Ives. Yeah, that was good. He, he's got a really good uh, hold on, on the character, yeah. Tim, I think. And also, they don't dress him like a tool bag in this. <laughs> which is very nice one thing that happened that I completely didn't occur to me until this issue was that Tim's name is actually Tim Wayne that doesn't make sense to me does that how that he was he adopted did, he adopted him yeah yeah but that yeah. doesn't mean that you change your name usually though well I, I don't know I got another question just cause yep. uh, now the car got dented the Robin Mobile yeah now it's a red vehicle that seems to be of custom make and it has an R on the front it has his logo on the front right but he drives it. I imagine the logo switches out, like you know the old Batman cars. That would that would he hit a button and they'd you know go from sports car to Batmobile. Okay, <laughs> that's awesome. Because he's like, now I won't be able to tell Zoe why I can't have the car. And I was like, you 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 take the Robin Mobile out. That's not. Good. Yeah, I imagine the, I imagine the dash, you know, the uh, grill just sort of rotates. Mm-hmm. Or something. But I don't know. Uh, I'm guessing it is a car. It kind of sticks out either way. But you know, there, what do I know? There's a there's a toy crossover there. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Anyway, that's all. No, I, I think I think Chris Batista's art was good. Yep. yep. Good stuff. Powers Annual number one, which Back to I, the apes. I think has caused lots of consternation on the website. <laughs> you gotta give you gotta give them credit. You know that when they want to be self indulgent, they can be self indulgent. No, <laughs> this was the thing that he that you know. Oh no, I know, I know what it was. I just don't know why we we're revisiting it. Because it probably has some significance. 
I, I think it's just they wanted to do another story with him, him as but the it, caveman. It's all, but, but that's the thing is it's also an annual, which is sort of a good way to divert. Yeah, no, admittedly. Yeah, yeah, this, this is the place to be self-indulgent is in an annual. So, if yeah. you don't know, because I feel like we've gotten a lot of people to try the, issue, to try the issues in the past, right. you know, since the sort of reformatting. And so if you don't know, there was a very famous issue of this, uh, of Powers, before they started the renumbering. It was 30-something. Monkey fucking. Monkey fucking, right. Where you find <laughs> out that, and again, if you if you want to read Powers and Trade and you haven't gotten to it yet, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but you might want to skip ahead a minute or two. Uh, Walker has been around forever. He is the, uh, he, he's the... He's been around, he's evolved along with man, and he's always been super-powered, and there's always this other being who he's fought with the whole time. Uh, he's he's is, like one of the original humans. Yeah, and this and, and he had powers then, and, he's, and he still does now, or, or he has different powers, I forget, it's been a long time. Um, but this is just going back to see a little more of their history, and I thought it was really neat that it was brought on by like a flashback, so I don't know if his, his age-old enemy is going to come back or what. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the only thing I could think where that would happen, you know? So, but but the thing is, it sounds like it was just some dude who was wearing a bear suit. So. I thought this was really nice, nice, nice comics. Uh, there was a couple of times where, and Oming does this, but like there was a little bit of cheesecake going on in this a lot. It was well, he, like, that's, he likes he likes cheesecake. No, I know, and and that's fine. But like even even so, like the storytelling and it was I thought really good. It was really nice, just use of pages and not necessarily words. And people talk about how Bendis uses a ton of words, uh, you know. He, he no, there was just, hardly any words. Exactly. In so he was flexing that other muscle, which I thought was really cool. And I like cool. I think it, I think it served really well to show that, I mean, if you don't know the Christian Walker's whole history, that, you know, he's tormented. Yeah, totally. He's, and he's, he's, he's got millennia of torment. Mm-hmm. You and I, we got, we got decades of torment. He's got millennia of torment. You know, he's got a lot of baggage. How much and, fun uh, must it be to write the caveman dialogue? <laughs> what do you want? Speak peace, or I will crush you. Um, I, I do got to give credit. Like again, in the self-indulgent category, the um, the letter pages instead of being a letter page, uh, it was a multi-page collection of various um, things about writing from Bendis and Brian Reed and Sean McKeever and Matt Fraction and Gail Simone that was pulled from the Bendis board. But the guy who pulled it together made it into like an interview. And I mean, if you're interested in like making comics and writing comics and behind-the-scenes stuff, it's it's a it's a great to see it all kind of collected here over like ten pages of reading. It's a, it was really really interesting. So. Josh, did you read that? Uh, I read some of it, not all of it. I had the yeah. pick of the week. I had to shoot a thing. There's a lot to do. <laughs> but it's the kind of thing where I mean, I've been reading it in little bits and pieces, and you know what I mean. Like it's not the kind of thing where you got to sit down and dedicate. You know, I mean, you can read a page at a time. But yeah. it's it's really interesting. And other names get in there. You know, like um, Jeff Parker, Dave Mack. You know, basically, you know, so Steve Lieber. So it's pretty interesting. So, Definitely awesome. So um so I wanted to I wanted to talk about the sword number 7 because um uh the sword is a Lunar Brothers latest series from um Image and I think I've figured out the problem with the Lunar Brothers. Um well, that, well first of all we didn't pace this show good cuz now Josh and I check out for the next three books. Yeah, well, I'll be quick. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh I'm not talking so much about the art because I think that the art of the Luna Brothers I really really like. I really I really I'm a big fan of it and I think it's the kind of thing where you're either a fan of it or you're not and so I'll leave that be where it is. But I think they they have a problem with pacing because here we are seven issues in and and this is the first issue where I really feel as if the story is moving. Didn't 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 girls have that girls suffer, suffered from the same problem? Girls was a twenty four issue series that was beautiful that really could have been twelve. 
<laughs> um, there was a lot of repetition in girls and things like that. And so here we are with the sword where, where it's taken six, six or seven issues to get to establish the characters and establish the setting and establish what is happening. And now we're just getting moving. And once it gets moving, it's just like I've finished reading this and I can't wait for the next issue. So, um, what was that first mini they did? The first series of uh, Ultra. Ultra. I like that. Ultra. Was that was good. great, and that. and that was like five or six issues. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. That yeah. was. Well, I have no desire to read the other ones. Yeah, is and then the thing, the thing is, I've, I've I've recently spoken to people who've read Girls in trade and in the collected edition, and you know, there, there's the argument going, well, you know, they're limited by they're constrained by the issue format. And it reads better in trade, or whatever, and it doesn't. The same argument that it's just dragging on happens in that format as well. So uh, I think they need to learn to speed things up a little. So, um, um, is there a cap of how many issues there's going to be for this one? No, not that I'm aware of. Okay. So, and then typically they don't. I mean, I don't know. Like with girls, they they early on they said it would be like a a, a sixteen issue thing, or whatever, and then they said, ah, we're just going to take the time we need to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think they're just they're just rolling as they're going. So um, really I don't think it's an ongoing though. But um, so yeah, who knows? But uh, but this was really good. And it was a lot of fun. So. Good. Um, Real quickly, I just want to mention a couple of um, months ago, the Perhapanauts Annual came out on Image. That was the first Perhapanauts release. Well, this this week marked the first issue of the regular ongoing series. And when I talked about the annual, I was saying how it's very similar to Proof and a little bit of Proof, a little bit of BPRD, Hellboy kind of world or whatever. But, um, but I got to admit, this first issue was really good. Um, not that I didn't think it wouldn't be, but it was it, – it didn't have – a vibe of proof or a vibe of BPRD at all. So, like, while on the surface it has those, you know, the similarities and that there's a Bigfoot and Chupacabra and like in a ghost and you know, kind of paranormal things and happening. This, um, I believe, this picked off where the old series that was published through Dark Horse picked uh, left off. Um, so there's a little bit of you know, kind of all you know, but they do a good job of catching you up in the first couple of pages. And it was just, it was just a lot of fun to read. It was just kind of that weird kind of um, occult. Kind of you know um, you know kind of you know I don't know, I don't want to say um, science fiction but you know kind of weird mystery kind of cryptid kind of stuff but done with a different kind of tone a lighter tone Who so does I dug this? it uh, it was written by Todd Dezago and art by Craig Rousseau okay and just really pretty too so yeah. I uh, picked it up and I flipped through it and I just went I spent a, a couple of minutes sort of looking at it you know I don't think I'm interested in this not, not nothing against it I just yeah. decided not to go for it. No, yeah, but I, I feel like maybe when the, when these issues get collected in trade, and if you give it a shot, I think you I, I think you might be surprised because it's a little different. Well, so, yeah. as soon as you read Hellblazer, I will. There it is. <clears throat> Whatever. Uh, um, and then finally, uh, Captain Marvel, uh, the Captain Marvel miniseries has come to an end. Issue five of five came out this week, written by Brian Weed, drawn by Lee Weeks, and now. I don't know if they originally planned for this series to go in the direction it went in. Or if it was changed to accommodate a secret invasion, um, I want to say that they planned for it originally because this issue ties in the painting that Captain Marvel was staring at in the first issue, and and I'm sure it was. It's it not like be. it's long. Yeah. It's not oh, long enough where they could the amount of lead time is needed to change. Well, the first well the first issue came out a few months ago. It could have. I mean, you never could have. But Bendis, who's orchestrating the thing? Sure, possibly. So the the ultimate um the, the basically what it boils down to is the Captain Marvel that's been running around the Marvel universe since Civil War is indeed a scroll. And he's a scroll that was um, uh, genetically reprogrammed with Captain Marvel's DNA to appear like Captain Marvel, and he was going to be a sleeper agent. And that when you know, and so when he um, when he sees that painting, he's supposed to then trigger and you know, and then activate. Um, but something went wrong in the in the two scrolls that were applying the programming, and he broke loose. 
And so now he actually thinks he is Captain Marvel. And so there's this Captain Marvel who's actually a scroll who thinks he's Captain Marvel out there protecting the Earth. So he doesn't realize he's a scroll. You know, he realizes he's a scroll. He just doesn't accept it. It's he's this whole kind of metaphysical, okay, uh, but aren't I, aren't I the man that I make myself? Ty. He's Boomer. He's yeah. Boomer. Yeah, exactly. Or, or Ty. So, um, so, yeah, so there's a lot of that going on. Well, I don't think Ty's the, Ty's the side of it. Yeah, I agree with that, too. I think, I think there's a little bit of uh, denial there and self-loathing. Um, but anyway. The old man wouldn't do it that way. <laughs> um, uh, I think, wouldn't you have thought that when once all the scroll paranoia hit, that the first person on the hit list would have been Captain Marvel? Like all the people, all, the instead of worrying about what, from out of nowhere. Yeah, but now, but, Tony Stark was a scroll, and that would have been, what about the guy that came back after dying from cancer? Yeah, you, you would, would know, think, put you him would in charge of the prison. No, that's but what's, re- what's really interesting is that this issue ends with – so it ends with the idea that, okay, he's, he's you know, doing his duty as Captain Marvel, protecting the Earth, and he, he spots three Skrull agents in the church of Captain Marvel and basically pulls them up into space and throws them back towards Earth to make them burn up in the atmosphere. And he's saying you know, Captain Marvel will protect it at all costs. But so in Secret Invasion number one, didn't he take out the Thunderbolts? Yes, people are saying that they think now it's, he was acting as a, as as a, uh, protecting the earth. They just, there's scrolls and the thunderbolts. That's what people are saying. But oh, okay, okay, we can see that. So who knows? I mean, but it wasn't written that way. It was written as yeah. he was attacking with them. But yeah, he did say that he will love you, Lion. So who knows? Yeah, true. I would really like to read the second he loves secret you. invasion. Yeah, or or next part any of any kind, yeah. like a tie-in something. Well, I mean, I, I mean, is, is Secret Invasion number two supposed to be on schedule? So uh, wait a couple more weeks and it'll be out. So you, you seems to be not use on use on time. I'm not worried about that. I'm just like yeah. I want to know. Yeah. So anyway, so um, that's that's your update for Captain Marvel, and it ended up it ended up being a pretty good series. So cool. Uh, if you're writing user reviews on the website ifanboy.com, I need to repeat that. Um, we like to highlight them. We do a post on the website every Monday, and then uh, here on the show, we'd like to pick a couple. Uh, Fanboy Strikes Back David uh, talked about X-Men Divided We Stand number one. He gave the story of five and the art of four. Uh, is a book that out I out of five. Hmm? Yes, out of five. Out of five. A book I haven't heard anything about, so I thought uh, this would be a good one. It said, this book should have come out a couple of months ago. It would have really helped smooth the transition from Messiah Complex, but regardless, it was a book filled with wonderfully crafted character examinations and truly touching emotional moments. Ron, your take on that. Um, I agree with him. It should have come out a couple months ago. This is kind of like an anthology book, a bunch of um, short stories by uh, various creators like Scotty Young and um, – um, Javen McKelvey and Matt Fraction did a story, did a Nightcrawler story, and Mike yeah, Carey wrote one. Mike Carey wrote one, yeah. So I mean, it, and it was just focusing on some of the the B and C level characters that were affected by the X Men breakup, um, and it was good. I mean, it, but it was like like I said, it, it's not necessary reading. It's just it's more kind of um, filling in the gaps or kind of you know that sort of thing. And, and there wasn't a bad story in the bunch. So I uh, completely disagree. I gave it a one star on iFanboy. It was boring. Um, I bought it for the Jamie McKelvey art, which was overcolored to death. Yeah, that's that's the one that's the one thing that made me cringe, and I felt really really it, bad because it, it ruined his art. It yeah. totally did, and what happened was is it 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 um it it basically he must have handed in his pencils, and they gave it to because I looked at the credit, they gave it to whatever overcoloring Civil War esque you know coloring job company you know what what is the name of it? It was somewhat what is it? It's Guru EFX Color Art. Yeah. 
And it yep. just totally everybody had a five o'clock shadow, and it just it 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 hurt it hurt his art a lot. And I'm, Jamie's art works well when it's simple because it's simple, and simple doesn't mean bad. It's it's it's, it's yep. but it's 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 simple. And, and yep. I don't. And in the, when in black and white and fun gram, it was great. Uh, suburban glamour had color, but it was stylized and simple yep. color. Like everybody they, they, was sort of colored because they were they were colored like they were comic characters. They weren't colored like they were trying to paint be painted on. This this was like every little muscle was shaded, every little yep. every little crease in their face was was colored in. And this wasn't the art. This was the colorist doing that. Yeah. And I looked at it and I literally cringed at the art. And now it was like yeah. someone punched me in the stomach because he's one of my favorite guys working right now, and they just destroyed his art. Yeah, they did. It's really kind of sad that that. And I tried to look through the colors to try to to try to look at the pencils, and the pencils are prob- were probably good, but you couldn't because it was it. Was, I mean, it, it was amazing to see how much effect this colorist had on this book. So. Yeah, it's sad. But, I mean, reading. but the thing is, I'm not. I mean, I'm not surprised you found it boring because unless you care about these characters, then it uh, is of no value to you whatsoever. So. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the Jamie the Jamie story was really sad to see. So, Ugh. all right. Um, <laughs> our next uh, user review comes from Dan uh, Dan Ken Reed, um, and he uh, submitted a review for Countdown number two, of which he gave the story a one and the art a three out of five. And he says, well, it's almost over, and I think it's safe to say the series has overall exemplified all the problems that many detractors have with big events in general, and with DC in specific. Namely, that overblown crossovers are prone to creating a disjointed experience, and that DC's continuity is just too damn dense. Strong words from Dan Ken Reed. I, I would agree that, that this would be the poster child for problems with, with big crossovers. And whatever happened behind the scenes happened, and it clearly affected the storyline because it changed many times, and it never did what they said they were, it was supposed to do. It just it was a, I think it was an editorial problem because I think some of the stories were good. Yeah, I think last I, month in general has been really good, but I would disagree that the continuity is too damn dense. I think I think DC and Marvel both have continuity problems; they're just different. Yeah, exactly. And 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 the thing is, is that like a lot, like I said last week, I'm kind of sick of noir. I'm also kind of sick of people bitching about events and event fatigue and all that kind of stuff. Because of all the people in the world, I mean, like we read a lot of comics, and personally, I don't feel as if I have event fatigue. I read the stories as they come. Events have been happening since the '60s. You know yeah. what I mean? Like nothing's really changed about that. It's just a matter of it's a matter of how much you allow yourself to get sucked in by the events, and if you feel like you're being abused by I gotta buy all this, then don't buy them. I don't buy them. I don't read them if I don't want to. You know, so. What? Unless it's the Flash. Yeah. Well. So, well. No. But but the, it's not like there's a Flash event. I'm now. kidding. Yeah. But the thing is, like DC's continuity is dense, but Marvel's continuity is de- also dense, and also in in a sense, uh, people who like continuity would probably be applauding DC for tr- at least trying to make it work, whereas Marvel just seems to be ignoring their continuity with it's just most two of the big books. Two different philosophies. And there's always yeah, going to be. I think, I think it's also it, just like it's 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 in vogue to bitch about crossovers. It's in vogue to it's always been in vogue to bitch about DC's continuity, which is just stupid. Yeah, uh, it's no more or less dense than any other thirty well, plus year or universe. twenty. There are a lot of Earths. <laughs> there's a few Supermans running around. I mean, that can get confusing. And it, one's from Kingdom Come and one's normal. That's not confusing. No, then there was an Earth Two Superman. Is he gone now? Then there's a Superboy. Yeah, he's, and Superboy he's gone. Prime. Superboy's gone. Superboy's gone. There's only Superman Prime. He's a villain. See, I don't know. I just all right. You're, you're just you're being you're being um, you're being glib for the sake of humor, but that's just that's what everybody's doing. They're being glib for the sake of humor. There's no basis in that. There's no basis in that criticism, which no, obscures I, the which obscures well, the facts. Yeah. It's not yeah. a criticism. In the, I mean, it's I've been confused by it. I don't know when all these. But what you're talking about is not real. There are no there are multiple Superman running around. There's but two. I don't know that. Because you don't read the book, so you criticize stuff you don't read, which is what I'm talking about. It's glib for the sake of humor. 
right. Oh, <laughs> moving on. If you wanted to read more about multiple Supermans <laughs> and other comics, you can go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics, or you can read all the other reviews and see what other people think of their comics. Um, and if you wanted to find, uh, if you wanted to read up on your history to deal with the next big event, um, you can go to instocktrades.com where you can pick up uh, trade paperbacks up to 37% off um, on their website. They've got free shipping on orders over $50, which comes in helpful with the heavy absolutes and the big omnibuses. Um, and they've got over 5,400 uh, trade paperbacks in stock and available for order. They've got new releases that come out every Wednesday along with the regular comic books. And orders usually ship within 48 hours. So make sure you head over to www.instocktrades.com. And as a uh, iFanboy special, they've got our book of the month, uh, Justice League International Volume 1, uh, discounted 47% off. That's like $13 and change, which is ridiculous. Um, so if you haven't picked up the Justice League International Volume 1 yet, head to instocktrades.com and uh, pick up your copy today. I feel like Matt Lauer. <laughs> All right, on to the email. Um, our first email comes from Alan, who has a question. If we could only read five books monthly, what would they be? And he says, yeah, I went lowbrow. Want to fight about it? Well, apparently Connor does. <laughs> Connor, five books, go. Uh, Detective Comics, Batman, Robin, Nightwing, and... Um, uh, hmm, that's a tough one. Birds of Prey. Interesting, Josh. Go. Wait, are you picking? Are you, are you picking like all time or as they? Come? No, you can only no, buy right five now. books monthly. Of the books you buy right now, you can only buy five titles. Okay, uh, Captain America, Powers. Uh, I'm trying to think of what I buy. Fables, <laughs> uh, New Avengers. Hmm. Uh, Hellblazer? Just because okay. I've been buying it forever? I don't know. I feel like I'm missing something. Right. Um, Uncanny X-Men, obviously. Um, uh, New Avengers. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, Justice Society of America. Ooh. And, um, and uh, Echo. Ooh. <laughs> you, you can borrow my copy, Josh. Okay. That's cool. Right. We can we can share, so we can actually get 15 books a month out of this if we... Yeah, pretty did, much. Did, yeah. You, did you pick five or four, Josh? I picked five. I said Hellblazer at the end, I think. Yeah, Hellblazer was the last one. Yeah. I've been reading that for the longest, I think. It's my longest ongoing series. It's your it's your Uncanny, and it's your detective. Yeah, but not really. That's your R. You're, you've been looking for your label. You're the Hellblazer guy. But I'm not. <laughs> You're the Vertigo guy. Vertigo guy. Go read Sandman. Next email. Emily, Emily from Pittsburgh, Kansas writes and says, I realized today that March is Women's History Month, and it got me thinking. I got into comics about six years ago, and I haven't really read anything that was written or drawn by a woman. I know that the comic industry is one of the industries that women are not in the forerunners, but Karen Berger being the only woman I ever really hear about. I was wondering if you guys had any recommendations for good comics written or drawn by women. There are so many women in comics. Admittedly, there are a lot more dudes, but there are a lot of women. Well, percentage-wise, it's low. Right, yeah, <laughs> but there, there are good women. I mean, like Gail Simone, uh, she's writing, she was writing The Atom, and now what is she writing? Wonder Woman. Writing Wonder Woman. That she's, she's, a, she's a woman. Uh, Amanda Connor is an artist. Ama- I love Amanda like, Connors. And when, yeah. and when she does work, like, it's a big deal. Like, she's yeah, a, yeah. a, you know, Jill Thompson has Dude, done lots of work. Uh, Emily, if you want to read one of Amanda Connor's best work, go pick up. There's an image book called The Pro. It's a little adult. Uh, Garth Ennis wrote it. Amanda Connor drew it. It's amazing. The art in that is great. So... Uh, you know, Amy Wolf Amy Wolf Ram is currently the writer on Teen Titans Year One. That's really really good. Yep. Um, Nicola Simonson. Scott. 
Yep. Oh, go ahead. Luke. Louise Simonson drove the DCU and Marvel U, you know, for years. Yeah, she doesn't work as much now, but you can find her stuff in, in back you know back issues and trades. Easy. Uh, Nicola Scott is currently the artist of Birds of Prey, and she's really good. She's gotten much. She started off a little shaky, but she's gotten really, really good every every month now. She's a really, really good artist. Um, Robin Firth is writing the Dark Tower books. She's there, a woman, clearly. There are a surprisingly large number of colorists in comics, including Christina, Christina, uh, Christina Strain, Laura Martin, Laura Allred, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so they're not writing or drawing, but they're coloring the books, so that's pretty cool. Uh, so. Pia Guerra, who did Why the Last Man. Ooh, good one, good one. Um, they're out there. I mean, percentage-wise, it's probably not a ton of them, but, you know, you know, Trina Robbins is – or um, – Oh, oh, that name is escaping me. Colleen Duran, you know, those oh, are sort of legendary yep. names. Yeah, Trish Mulville's another um, colorist. Colors. But there's also there's also a, a shit ton of uh, female creators in the indie scene. Uh-huh. Um, yep. in the, you know, like I um, will also Becky Cloonan. She's on. You know, she does stuff for Vertigo, uh, artist for Vertigo. But um, no, in the indie scene, there's so many. China. A lot of you know, China, but she hasn't been working that much. She's been doing a lot of stuff with Scholastic, actually. Because um, I was wondering, like, what is she? Working? That's probably where the money is. Yeah, no, I don't blame her. But. Um, but uh, no, but if you if you go to a comic convention and walk through Artist Alley, there's a lot of female indie creators that are they're making some good stuff. So Cecil yeah. Castellucci. Oh yeah, she's writing the Minx, uh, the yeah. the Plain Jane's line. I can't wait for that sequel. So there's, anyway, there's a bunch for you to look into. Yeah, awesome. So if you have any questions or if you want to know about any um, anybody else in the comic industry, uh, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. Uh, and if you're sick of comics and you just want to watch some movies, uh, you can go to the Netflix. Uh, they have 90,000 titles. That's a lot of them. No late fees. Free shipping both ways. They got the Blu-ray titles if you want to go with the HD. Fast delivery, usually like a day, and it's already here. Um, the majority of the shipments, uh, or the majority of the plan, or bleh, sorry, the plans start at 4.99, and uh, you can get a free two-week trial if you go to www.netflix.com/ifanboy. Our first voicemail. Um, just got a question about. Um comics surprisingly enough wow hi fm boy it's luke from denver uh i have a question about dunham one stories uh i've been reading detective comics and uh i've picked up a couple images or uh issues of the spirit but uh i'm you know just kind of wondering is there anything more like that that is like kind of like a continuing story that doesn't kind of like have a whole lot of six issue runs that like each one is a done in one because uh that would be really great to find uh, so let me know. Luke, that is a good question, and you've sort of stumped the uh, iFanboy staff. Um, we, You know what? Like, other than Fell, which doesn't really come out very regularly, I don't know if there are any other books like that. Um, but I'm, sh- I'm sure everyone's going to write in and tell us the ones that we're is there, is, is an X-Men First Class one-shot? One yeah, you know, actually, X-Men First Class and Wolverine First Class or, or, or one-shots. Yeah, that, that, that's a very good point, Connor. Yeah. But it's still a rarity. and it, 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 No, it's totally rare. It was yeah. bringing up the idea that, you know, what we, it used to be that comics, you'd have like a four-issue arc and then a one-story issue and then, you know, two-issue, you know, like we were talking, you know, the, the Hellblazer issue at the top of the show, you know, that's just a, a two-part story, which are so rare. Now everything is like it's a six-part story and an eight-part story, and or if you're at Brubaker, it's a 38-part story. You yeah. know, I kind of miss that that varying degree, like just to break up the the spacing of it, I guess a little. Well, bit. yeah, well, bet- between Detective Comics, The Spirit, Fell, and the X Men and Wolverine's first class, that's a pretty good starting point. And like we said, I'm sure people are gonna tell us ones that we don't know about. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, no, it is rare. Everybody's everybody's writing for the trade. So, 
But there's no reason why you can't trade together a two issue story and a three issue story. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I've been reading. I've been reading a lot of um, uh, Bronze Age books and or whatever modern age, whatever like seventies, eighties books, and there were a lot of one and dones or two parters that were just you know like you just don't see that anymore. Well, so. just reading through the Grant Morrison JLAs, you know, like yeah. the book will have two or three whole stories in them consisting of you know two to three issues a piece, which is yep. cool. Um, our next question's got a question about a Dark Horse book. Hey guys, it's a. Uh Kevin Chicago. Um, you know what? I, I just uh, realized um, I've never really heard you guys talk about uh, the Umbrella Academy. And I've thought about getting on this book, and it seems to be making a lot of buzz on everywhere except your show. I've never really heard you talk about it. But um, just wondering if any of you guys read it, if any of you guys you know, recommend it. Oh, contraire, my good friend. In fact, we have talked about the Umbrella Academy. We just didn't talk about the last issue, um, but we talked about the a uh, couple of issues here and there as the as the run went. You can go back in our feed and find that it's in the show notes. But then also, we did a whole interview with Gerard Way, the writer of of the Umbrella Academy, uh, last fall. So if you go to ifanboy.com slash podcast and look through the audio podcast archive, or if you look through our feed, you should be able to find that interview. I think it was in November or so. So I think we have talked about the Umbrella Academy. Are Umbrella Academy fans the new Fables? Fans? I think that and Deadpool fans. I think they might be the sensitives. So, um, all right. So if you're sensitive, if you're sensitive and you want to complain to us, you can call us at one eight 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 fanboys. That's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. And before you call and scream, I'm kidding. We love you. We wanted to mention also um, Travis Valentine from yes. Lansing, Michigan, sent us in a I fanboy song, which was a uh, original Wait. song about the show, it's which we're going to play at the end. It's a song about this show. Yes. This specific that, that's one? just ridiculous. How would you know? <laughs> I don't know. This it's about it's about episode one twenty nine. Um, <laughs> no, that's really cool though. That's that's awesome. And thank you. So Travis. We're going to play that at the end of the show. And thank you, Travis. That was sh- shocking to say the least. Yeah. So so stay tuned to the end of the end of the show to hear the iFanboy song. Uh, speaking of iFanboy, you need to get over to iFanboy.com, uh, read the full pick of the week review and all the discussions on every issue that comes out and all that stuff and everybody else's reviews and there's just there's stuff every day you need to go there. Yep. And you're going to be listening to this after uh, the New York Comic Con. Um, we, we hopefully will survive New York Comic Con and go to ifanboy.com and you can read all about what we saw there and all that fun stuff and blah, blah, blah. I'm sure. Really? Well, well, we'll mention that it's there. I didn't know we were going to be writing stuff. <laughs> well, no, we're not writing stuff, but, you know, we're Twittering and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Anyway, um, you can also go to ifanboy.com forward slash store where you can um, you can check out um, a, a lovely entryway into Amazon and the wonderful world of comic books. And you know, just go to ifanboy.com slash store. You can see our latest uh, our recommendations as well. You can search for other comics and uh, purchase stuff from there, and it helps us out in the end. So thank you. Uh, in addition to this show, I don't know if you know, we have a video show every Saturday uh, from revision3.com. And uh, this past Saturday, we understood comics. I think we understood them quite well. Next week, um, should everything go correctly, New York Comic Con's video show will be there. Hell or yeah. high water. <laughs> and then every it could single... be 20 minutes of unedited, just raw footage. We don't know yet. Avant-garde comics journalism. Uh, and then every weekday, you'll find a little three-minute tidbit, a little bite, the iFanboy Mini. Um which uh, will be about damn near anything we want. And um, if you like iFanboy and want to show your loyalty, you can go to jinx.com forward slash iFanboy and pick yourself up a t-shirt. Join the internation. Uh, you can email us at contact at iFanboy.com or you can send us a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Anything you want to tell us, we will listen. Yes. Uh, you want to socially network with us on the web, go to iFanboy.com slash about. You'll find links to all of the MySpaces and Twitters and Comic Space and all of Facebook group, everything there. 
Yes. And if you dig us, um, you should head over to iTunes and write a review or uh, let everyone know what you think of the show. Um, or just tell your friends or tell your comic book store or tell anybody who likes comics to listen to the show. It really helps us out. Spread the word. And if you want to donate some cash uh, to the show, help us out, you can go do that at iFanboy.com slash donation. All right. Well, it's going to be a fun week. <laughs> no, it, you got to speak in future past. It, it was a fun week. It will well, no, have and, been. Oh, no. And I'm saying it's probably going to be a fun week as well of putting together the New York Con show and relaxing after the con and all that kind of deal. What's this word you just used? We, the, the we word. The no, relaxing. Re- what does that mean? <laughs> all right so until next week i'm ron i'm connor and i am josh the afanboy pick of the week podcast ron connor and josh making memories that last every week got to What's going on? I like it so darn much. I even wrote this song. I fanboy pick a week podcast. Ron Connor and Josh making memories there.